You're listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette. And I'm Mary Jo Tumare. Mary, now you know this because uh, you grew up in Catholic schools as well. In the Catholic Church, when you commit a sin, like a bad sin, like a mortal sin, which is what sends you to hell, you can go to confession and you have that sin removed. So you're good. I'm kind of thinking here of an equivalent, like let's say you have an election and you remove that president and you're good. And that feels good because you're forgiven of the mortal sin that would have sent you to hell. But you are not free from punishment, you still have to go to purgatory, because even though you got the sin forgiven, there's still something to be paid for that. And I'm kind of thinking about that, because as a country, we kind of got the sin of Donald Trump removed, but we got a lot of crap to clean up. And I, I, what do you you, you think about obscure Catholic analogies? My Lord. And and by the way, if you want to push it farther, this is when indulgence has come in, but we we won't get that right now. So how is uh, Joe Biden going to get us through purgatory and clean up all the damage that's been done? Well, you know, I'm just, you know, catching a little breath here because (laughs) I had not thought about it in that way. However, it does feel like we are suffering for our sins a little bit. And I'm not talking about any one of us individually, but collectively we did elect Donald Trump and this is the price we have to pay. So I think it's a great analogy. Now here we have, you know, the Uber Catholic (laughs) Joe Biden. And I have been thinking about him the last few days because I think he's doing really an awesome job just pretending like Trump doesn't exist. And, you know, maybe that is the way you take your punishment, take your punishment as a man. But he is calm and he's not being nasty. Even when he insults Trump, it's like, well, that's an embarrassment, you know. I don't want to say anything too bad. It's like he's not inciting the situation. He's not making the situation worse. He's going about doing what we've elected him to do, which is to put the government back on track. Well, and he even begins, I I mean, I know he knows. He said yesterday in his press conference, there's only one president at a time. I I know that he gets that. Uh, But in his actions, He's kind of going about the process of governing in a small way. He creates the uh, medical scientific uh, uh, commission. He's going through briefings. Uh, He apparently, even though he's getting no help from general services, uh, already has candidates for virtually every position that he needs to fill. I read at one point there are 4,000 jobs that need to be filled right away. And he has 4,200 candidates. By the way, it really sucks to be one of those 200. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're like, damn, I guess I don't have to move. But but isn't this really what we wanted from him? Maybe in a way 
what will atone for our sins. We wanted someone to go in and do the work of governing, which you've contended a, a great number of times. That was one of Trump's greatest sins. He just didn't want to do the work. Yeah, and you know, as and as the reporting shows, he's not even doing it now. He's so busy pouting, he hasn't <laughs> talked to the you know Joint Chiefs of Staff. He hasn't made any calls to, to international leaders. He's done nothing for a month. So Biden, by coming in and starting to already do that work, I think it's giving not just Americans but the whole world a sense of okay, that was a blip. Right? Isn't that what we? hoped that Trump was just a, a aberration and we're going to get back to normalcy. And I think you're seeing that in international, the calls he's getting from international leaders, which I heard this morning is usually facilitated by the State Department. And we know the State Department's not going to be doing that because Pompeo, who thinks he's a stand-up comedian, said yesterday, you know, something to the effect is, yeah, the transition to another Trump uh, administration will go smoothly. <laughs> yeah. That's unsettling to the whole world, except the rest of the world seems to be doing what we as Americans are doing. Like, yeah, yeah, have your little, you know, hissy fit, Trump. But we know what's really happening. Yeah. Here. You know, I'm really glad you say that. I watched that clip with Pompeo several times, and I finally concluded that he thought he was making a joke that he, he was just being funny and lighthearted. And if that's so, not great, but I feel better because at first I thought, wait a minute, he's the Secretary of State. Uh, I don't like Mike Pompeo, but he's a smart guy, uh, you know, who has real aspirations to be president. And for a moment, I even thought, does he know something I don't know? Is there a great master scheme. You know, we've read in the Atlantic and other places about uh, state legislatures such as Pennsylvania, which is a Republican-controlled legislature, uh, overturning the will of the people. Do you think there's that kind of grand scheme going around, or are no. they just humoring the president? You said n I no, think, huh? I say no. I'm sure of that. I think they're humoring the president. And um, what, there was a quote yesterday unattributed to somebody who's, you know, in the White House, um, and you never know who these reporters are talking to, who said, you know, what's what's the risk of us humoring the president a little bit for the next, you know, couple weeks while he gets used to the idea? Actually, I think the risk is high. And I think we talked about this yesterday in terms of the national security risks and not getting the transition team in place. But I think that's how they feel. Like, don't poke the bear. He'll get used to the idea and all will be good. That seems to be what's coming from the reporters in Washington and also us senators and Congress people who are talking to their Republican peers. That everybody knows the story. Everyone knows what's going on. You just got to give Trump a little bit. And it's like everything. The bar is so low for Trump that we're always treating him like we treat a spoiled child. Yeah, and I I guess I understand the Republicans feel, this is terrible, but I understand it, that they feel, listen, what's to lose? Uh, if I stand up to him now, there's going to be a big fuss. But 
another couple weeks, maybe even sooner than that, uh, this whole thing's going to be solved. That's the way it uh, it is. And I didn't have to alienate, probably not Donald Trump so much, uh, but the Trump-leaning voters that I do have in, in my state. What the heck? Now, I mean, the danger in that is what the heck is playing around with our democracy? And that's just kind of a crummy approach to it. It's And it's very cynical because... Um, they are raising money off of it. And, you know, I mean, I'm sad to call these Americans dopey, but some of them are dopey. Like, who's giving money now to the Trump Defense Fund? But there's, so there's that kind of cynicism. And also, to your point, that they, these individuals, these elected officials care more about their future job than they do about the future of the dem- our democracy. And, um, you know, there'll be a special place in hell for all of those people. The other thing is, I do think that folks are afraid of the post-President Trump, because if if the room, you know, if the stories are true, he's looking at some kind of media space. And in that media space, if he starts calling you out, so let's use Pompeo as an example. He all reports are that he intends to run for president in four years, and he can't afford to have Trump bad-mouthing him in that media space that Trump will live in. So, you know, they're all just kind of protecting themselves, and if they, if that's at the expense of the American, you know, idea, the American experiment, so be it. But I think, John, is that those folks of Pompeo, senators, even um, McConnell, believe so much in what Biden's presidency will do to restore normalcy that they don't have to do anything. Yeah, they can sit back at at this point. By the way, we are hearing reports that Melania and perhaps even some of the children, uh, perhaps Jared, are encouraging him, it's time, Mr. President, it's time to, to quit that, you know. Hard to tell the quality of uh, those reports. I always find myself looking at the byline, like in the quote you mentioned before about humoring them. Uh, Ashley Parker of the Washington Post was on that byline. Ashley Post is one of the best wired people in Washington. I mean, she's right up there uh, with Phil Rucker and these these kind of people. So we don't know what's going on behind there. I do think we have something we can go on a little bit. When Al Gore lost the election, we are told that he went into a lengthy, several months long depression. And if you remember, he totally withdrew from public life. He grew a great big beard and he only really kind of reemerged as he came into his cause about an inconvenient truth. Now, here's what I think. I think Al Gore is a good, stable person who lost a tough election, he behaved with tremendous dignity. If he felt down and depressed after it, well then why wouldn't an unstable guy who's handling himself very badly have all sorts of mental problems? Exactly. And you know, I saw Michael Cohen yesterday on one of the MSNBC shows, and he said, this is his prediction, but I thought it was brilliant. He said, I think Trump will go to Mar-a-Lago for the holidays. 
even Thanksgiving, but maybe Christmas, and never come back again. Never return to D.C. Then he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have to do anything. He doesn't have to welcome Biden to the White House. He doesn't have to leave. He doesn't have the to White clean House. out his desk or anything. Yeah, or leave ignominiously on, you know, election day. Yeah. Nothing. He never has to shake Biden's hand, take a little gift from Joe Biden to Melania. And I thought, wow, that and that's a guy that knows him very well. But that is really makes sense to me. Just duck on a town and don't be engaged. Yeah, I think it makes a tremendous amount of sense and fits into the personality. Listen, I, I'm sorry. I want to pivot for a, a minute for the last couple of minutes to a totally different kind of thing. Uh, today is Veterans Day, or as Donald Trump likes to call it, Loser Sucker Day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Only a little bit of snark in there. I actually was going to be serious about about this. I guess all of us uh, reflect a little bit uh, about the people in our families uh, who were veterans. Uh, and, you know, for you and me, uh, our dad fought in the Second World War. He was in uh, uh, the Battle of the Aleutians. And also in the Battle of the Aleutians was his brother, Bill, who was killed. He was a, a pilot. Uh, up there uh we different people frequently get it mixed up uh veterans day and memorial day are not the same thing memorial day was for people who was, were killed in the war veterans were for everybody who served maybe part of the healing you and i have talked about is to put some focus on people who have given service to this country what do you think about that i think that's a great idea and i was um watching you know trump at the wreath this is his first public um appearance and even he who couldn't see the solemnity of the moment but also john there are so many heroes we need to mention and one of them i think that we all have to give a you know round of applause to is poll workers i mean these folks who have gone to the polls are in the states where they're still counting and some of them getting death threats and all this crazy stuff but they're serving the the core of our democracy in doing that public function so there's a lot of people that we need to thank in terms of they saved the republic i agree with you i agree with you i do have a suggestion for the next election i have seen the videos of poll workers who are unfolding the ballots. You know how they get folded up into three parts and they have to unfold them and they kind of have to rub it to get that crease out a little bit. Can you picture what I'm talking talking Mm -hmm. about? My suggestion for the next election is that we get some decent size eight by 10 envelopes and put the ballot in that so the damn thing doesn't have to be folded. Am am I nuts? I think this, and I want this to be called the Paulette Plan. (laughs) Maybe send that to Joe. I'm going to do it right now. You don't have his, I can find his email. That's okay. All right. (laughs) Talk talk to you you later. later. Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.